today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. While Nero was emperor, there in this great, great city of Rome, a huge fire broke out. And out of the 14 different wards or sections of Rome, 10 of them were nearly totally destroyed. Those who were currently there kind of looked at Nero. Nero, what are you doing here? They actually believed that it was Nero that purposefully started these fires or withdrew from any kind of correction to put out the fires. And so Nero then, because he was accused by the people of being the instigator of the fire, threw the blame onto Christians. The church is no stranger to persecution. God's people have endured great suffering and hardship in the name of Jesus. In today's message, Pastor David admonishes us to never forget our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ. There are more Christians suffering for the Lord around the world than at any other time in human history, and we are called to remember them in our prayers. In addition, Pastor David urges us to be faithful in our freedoms to worship Jesus openly while we still can. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message, Persecuted for Christ, from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 4. Episcopos is the word that we translate as bishop or overseer. But it's that first portion of that compound word that really brings it together. Alatrios. Alatrios, it carries with it that meaning of another's, somebody else's. It's not your own. It's, it's foreign or it's a stranger's. The direct understanding or meaning of Alatri Episcopos is an inspector of strange things or the things of another. It would appear that in the context of what Peter is writing, it has the meaning of one who is a meddler in other men's business, one who spies out the affairs of someone else. A.T. Barnes, a uh, commentator, writes these words about that word. He says it's one who busies himself with what does not concern him. That is one who pries into the affairs of another, who attempts to control or direct them as if they were his own. And Peter says, that's not how we ought to live our lives. And if we're living our lives like that, yeah, we're going to be persecuted. Now, when we put that in the context of all that Peter is speaking there, we desiring to live our lives godly, desiring to live our lives in righteousness. He says, in doing that, make sure that your persecution isn't because you, as a believer, are so meddling and so involved in somebody else's business. How do I do that and still maintain a witness and a testimony to those that I love? 
How do I do that and then not say, hey, you know what? My spiritual life is my spiritual life. You, you do your own thing. And if you found Christ, that's good for you. I'm glad it's working out. I believe that the testimony of our lives needs to be seen both in how it's lived out, but yes, also in word. There's going to be some that receive it and some that won't. There's going to be some that you're going to share your faith with at times. And they're going to, in essence, shut you out. They're not going to listen anymore. At least from our understanding, they won't listen anymore. Perhaps what might really be happening is, is the Lord has convicted them so hard in their lives that now what you said in the past, let the Holy Spirit then stir that. Let the Holy Spirit cook that in their lives rather than you continually, continually, continually. Live out Christ before them. Share with them the hope of the gospel that's in you. But at the same time, then allow the Holy Spirit to do that work. Be careful in your concern for another that you don't become a lottery episcopos, a busybody in other people's matters. He says in verse 16, Peter tells us, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. And here again, Peter calls the believers by that name Christian. And another interesting thing is Christian, that that phrase Christian, it's only seen three times in the New Testament, three times total. In the earlier chapters of the book of Acts, it says that, that it was in Antioch where the believers were first called Christians. A little bit later in the book of Acts, we read where Paul was standing before King Agrippa under arrest. And as he was speaking with King Agrippa, King Agrippa allows Paul actually to give his entire testimony, to share all that God had done and worked in his life. And again, how powerful that was. And then at the end of that, Agrippa looks at Paul and he says, Paul, are you trying to persuade me or almost thou hast persuaded me to become a Christian? And then here, the third time is Peter writes, but I've, I've, I've always heard for years and years that the word Christian means little Christs, kind of like the mini-me's of the original, you know. No, but in reality, that's not what Christian means. Christian has a much deeper meaning, a much deeper understanding than that. The, the idea, it, it has that Greek suffix on it, Christianos, Ianos. And Ianos has the idea more of a, a partisan meaning to it, belonging to the party of. We can look again in the scriptures and we read of the Herodians who were Jews, who actually were supporters and devotees of King Herod and all of his family. They were called Herodians. We who call ourselves Christians are saying, in essence, that we are devotees, we are supporters of Christ. We're supporters of his kingdom. We, we follow his teachings. We, we live it within his kingdom. We're part of that kingdom. We are members of the Christ party. Now, that's a party I'll campaign for, okay? We are members of the Christ party, but here the suffering Peter speaks of is directly connected with the fact that our devotion is to the cause of Christ, that our devotion or, or that our suffering isn't simply because of, of, of suffering in the world. It's because of our devotion to Christ, because beloved, you're all going to suffer. Every one of us, even if you're not devoted to Christ, 
You know what? You're going to suffer in this world. That's just the reality of the fact, number one, that we suffer due to the consequences that we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world that brings on sin, it brings on disease, it brings on turmoil, brings on typhoons and earthquakes, volcanoes. We live in a fallen world. Suffering simply because we're in this fallen world, though, isn't what Peter is talking about. We also suffer in this world many times due to the natural consequences of our sin, our sin in the past and our sin presently. If I live my life or I've lived my life in the past in direct violation of God's will and God's plan and purpose, you know what? I'm going to live out then. I'm going to suffer the consequences of those things. If I've abused my body, if I've abused my mind or my spirit through a variety of actions or or choices of my life, or if I've continually said no when God is saying yes, or I've said yes while God is saying no, then there's going to be natural consequences that come about through that. Now, I can be forgiven of those things, but many times we still face the consequences of those. We hear those consequences daily, if not weekly, just in speaking with individuals about the events of the past that, well, doesn't God love you? Yes, I know that he does, and he forgives. But many times we still have consequences of those choices. All you have to do is ask King David about that, okay? King David, totally forgiven by God, yet there are consequences within because of the choices that he made that he had to deal with. But that's not the kind of suffering that Peter is talking about. Peter here speaks about suffering that is direct consequence of our declaration that I have decided to follow Jesus and no turning back and no compromise. I want to be an active portion of the Christ party. I want to be actively involved. Peter was writing to men and women who knew firsthand what it was to suffer because they were Christ followers. Believers there, many of them have come out of Judaism and because their their family, because their community were Jews and they came to Christ, suddenly they were cut off of family. Suddenly they were cut off of community. They were cut off from friends. And some of you may be here today and maybe you've even faced that kind of persecution when you came to Christ because maybe your whole family are non-believers and when you came to Christ, suddenly you were the odd man out or the odd woman out and just suddenly the relationship was no longer the same. Or maybe you grew up in a tradition, in a religious tradition of some sort and when you really and truly came to Christ and you realize that Christ is not just religion not just ritual but it is a reality of relationship then suddenly that relationship that you had with family or friends or community suddenly it it grew wider and wider apart I know that some have experienced that but there were also many Christians during this time that were being arrested, they were beaten, they were tortured, many that were executed because they would not bow down to the pagan gods, nor would they recognize their current emperor as God. As a matter of fact, kind of a peculiar thing as you read history. The Romans had a multitude of gods. 
And as a matter of fact, when they went and conquered a people who worshiped a God, they said, that's not a problem. We'll just take your God and throw him in with ours and you can worship your God and our God and we'll all be fine. But then they came upon these Christians and the Christians said, and the Jews, wait a minute, we, we worship no other God. There is only one God. Well, that's a foreign thought to the, to the Romans. And particularly now as they came to the Christians and the Christians would not bow down neither to these pagan gods nor to to the emperor as God. And you know what they labeled the Christians as? Atheists. You, you, you would be labeled as an atheist because you didn't believe in all of their gods and because you didn't believe that the emperor was God. Romans believed that Christians practiced magic and superstition because the Christians spoke of people raising from the dead. Christians spoke about lame people being able to walk again, diseases being healed supernaturally, the, the blind getting their sight again. And again, for, for the Roman, this was, this is all magic and superstition. They didn't want to have anything to do with it. For the Romans, they looked at the Christians. They believed them to be a people who in their religious practice practiced incest and cannibalism because of their love one for another, that brotherly love. And you think the Romans had a problem with, you know, any, anything like that at all? Because their whole culture had gone so wild and bizarre in that area of perversity. But then they also figured that you were cannibals because when you gathered together, you would speak of, this is his body and we're eating. This is his blood and we're drinking. They, they couldn't get that concept. They didn't understand how all of that was working. Historical records tells us that, again, they made proclamations, official proclamations against the Christians from the Senate. They also proclaimed against the Christians in many of their writings. According to their records and these writings, again, uh, they, they, a, a senatorial decree that was issued against the Christians said that they are strange and unlawful people. Tacitus, one of the writers, said they are hateful and they're deadly. Plinius said that they are wicked and they're unbridled. Svetonius said they are new and they're harmful. See, they don't fit in with everything else. Because of these and a multitude of other kinds of accusations and suspicions, Christianity was, was outlawed. At first, it was only a sect of the Jews and We'll just have to deal with it. But again, as Christianity grew and the devotion of the saints was, was shown to be very deep, suddenly now the attack became very directed at Christianity. It was near the time that, that Peter was writing these books, First and Second Peter, that Nero became emperor. While Nero was emperor, there in this great, great city of Rome, a huge fire broke out. And out of the 14 different wards or sections of Rome, 10 of them were nearly totally destroyed. Those who were currently there kind of looked at Nero. Nero, what, what are you doing here? They actually believed that it was Nero that purposefully started these fires or withdrew from any kind of correction to put out the fires. And so Nero then, because he was accused by the people of being the instigator of the fire, threw the blame onto Christians. And so Nero began what is called the, the first great 
persecution of Christians. And that lasted from 64 AD to 68 AD. And in the midst of that, we saw thousands upon thousands of executions of believers. It was also during that time frame that the Apostle Paul, and yes, even the Apostle Peter, was executed by Rome. Roman historian, he was a senator and consul by the name of Tacitus Cornelius, wrote about these things. Now, Tacitus didn't believe that the Christians merited uh, punishment because of the fire. He just believed that they were wicked people, okay? But he understood that it was probably Nero that wrote it. But listen to what he writes about the events of those times. Tacitus, a Roman, wrote, To cut short the public outcry, Nero had to find someone guilty. And he blamed a race of men that are despised for the perversity of their rights and commonly called Christians. The name comes from Christus, who was put to death when Pontius Pilate was proconsul and procurator of Judea. At first, they were arrested, those who openly confessed their belief. Then, after their accusation, a great multitude were imprisoned. But because they were regarded as being burning with hatred against the human race, they were put to death with refined cruelty. And Nero added scorn and derision to their sufferings. Some were clad in the skins of wild beasts and thrown to the dogs to be devoured, while others were nailed to the cross. Others were burned alive, and still others covered with flammable material which was then set on fire to serve as torches after sunset. Nero allowed his gardens to be used for this spectacle, which also included the circus games. We look back and we see, I was back the first century. Surely those kinds of things don't happen today. But they do. As a matter of fact, they're happening right now today and our relative comfort here right now pastor Saeed Abedini who we brought before you before an American pastor who is Iranian by descent has been imprisoned in an Iranian prison for over a year now just recently within this last week or so he was moved from the prison that he was in to another prison in Iran you think well maybe that's progress no it's not because the prison that they moved him to is known for the fact that when people go in they don't come out as a matter of fact murder is a common thing there and the prison guards just step back while the prison inmates murder each other so pastor Saeed and the condition health-wise that he is has now been placed into that prison. We need to keep praying for him. The voice of the martyrs that we brought to you last week as we shared again that International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church speaks that even right now all around our world, thousands of Christians are suffering for their faith. A country by the name of Eritrea. Eritrea is located just uh, north of Ethiopia, and kind of on the southeastern edge of Sudan, right by the Horn of Africa, on that eastern shores of Africa. In 2002, the government outlawed worship and assembly outside of the registered denominations. In other words, as long as we can control what you say, you can meet, but 
if you want to have the freedom. No, that's outlawed. All of the group then that attend house churches or any other unregistered place of assembly are being arrested and imprisoned without charge and without a trial. Religious prisoners are most often tortured. A group of 185 believers had gathered together for a prayer meeting. During their prayer time, security forces raided the building, arrested everyone in the building, including women and children. Now, out of that 185, 83 of them have recently been released, while over 100 remain in prison, mostly men and male children. And the great fear of those that are still in prison, the men and the male children, is that they're going to be forced to be able to join the Eritrean army in their fight against Ethiopia. On October 20th, Four Christians, including two young girls, were killed and another 18 people were wounded as they attended a wedding ceremony at a Coptic church in Cairo, Egypt. Egypt is a friendly to us. They're they're, they're a country that we do a lot of things with. And yet Christianity is suffering great persecution there because of the radical Islams that are taking over that country. Attacks on Christians continue to increase. In August... You probably saw the news reports, this huge wave of attacks against Christian churches. They burned down, they destroyed over 30 churches, as well as 120 Christian-owned businesses were destroyed just back in August. Persecution is happening right now today to the body of Christ, to your brothers and sisters. In Pakistan, one week ago, members of the Taliban attacked a historic church there. They killed more than 80. They injured more than 150. Suicide bombers came in as, they, as, as, as a congregation of about 500 were having a picnic on the ground. And with 26 pounds of explosives strapped to their bodies, they walked into the middle of that peaceful meeting and exploded themselves, destroying that many. It was the deadliest attack on Christians in the history of Pakistan a week ago. Paul or Peter warns the church that there's going to be times of refining. We understand that. But that's nothing compared to the wrath of God upon the sinner and upon the ungodly. When he says that the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God, he speaks of that refining process that the church needs to go through and I believe will go through in these last days. But then he also says, if it begins with us first, what will the end of those be who do not obey the gospel of God? If the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? He says, therefore, Let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Guys, I really believe more and more and more so in these days. How we live for Christ today is going to determine how we stand for Christ tomorrow. And if we live for Christ today just a little bit, in a shallow way. If you're not able to keep up with the footman, it's going to
going to happen when the horses come in. How you live today will determine how you stand. Standing strong in the midst of persecution is a theme throughout the New Testament. Many of the newly created churches faced opposition from the world around them and were in danger of turning away from their faith due to these confrontations. It isn't a surprise that the book of 1 Peter also addresses this subject. Peter wanted to encourage new believers and remind them of the truth they had learned, that Jesus lived and died for the salvation of every person on earth. Sadly, persecution didn't die out through the ages. The enemy is still doing his best to derail the message of the gospel. Today, we want you to be encouraged as well. As a follower of Jesus, you will face persecution sooner or later. Stand firm in your faith, leaning on Jesus' truth for your source of strength and comfort. One way you can find support and encouragement in any season of your life is by getting involved in a local church. With that in mind, Pastor David has an invitation for you. Well, I hope that today's message has encouraged you in your faith. It's given you a hunger to learn more about God. If you're in the Casa Grande area, you're looking for a church to attend, I'd be honored to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. You can find directions and service times by visiting theopenword.com and following the links to our church homepage. We welcome you to be a part of our time of worshiping our Savior and studying the words of the Bible verse by verse, growing closer to Him each week. Thanks, Pastor David. And thank you for tuning in today to The Open Word.